Hello and welcome to Advisor Gold, The Missing Allocation, the show where financial professionals learn the why, how, and what to help their clients own physical gold and silver. This podcast is designed to complement the training at goldandsilveradvisors.com. I'm your host, Kerry Morris. I work with clients and run a financial planning practice every day, and we've used physical metals in our financial plans for nearly a decade. I'm here with my co-host and friend, Ryan Long, second generation in the gold and silver business and president of National Gold Consultants, which only promotes their business through a large advisor network. If you're a consumer listener to this podcast, welcome. This is not financial, legal, or tax advice. It's education, folks, and you're welcome to have your advisor reach out to us, or you can email us directly with your question. In this episode, we answer the question, should I use qualified or non-qualified for my client's gold and silver holdings? This is a great question, and there's definitely a decision tree that will give you the help you need with this. After listening to this podcast today, you'll know exactly how to approach this question and can be confident with your answer. Now, here's my conversation with Ryan. Well, hello, everybody. This is Kerry, and I'm here with my co-host, Ryan. And today, we're going to answer the question, should I do qualified or a non-qualified sale with my client? allocation. So Ryan, there it is, qualified or non-qualified. And I think right off the bat, you kind of want to just announce to the world that, hey, we do facilitate qualified all the time, right? All the time. I think that's one of the most uh, misinformed things that maybe it's our oversight, Carrie, that, you know, because we're so focused on on non-qualified because of all of the benefits and the client loves to have physical possession of it, Right. But in all reality, uh, that's not the case. And for, for some, they might have to do a good chunk of qualified to have that proper allocation, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, the question was, should I do qualified or non-qualified? Well, let's reverse that. The client's situation is going to tell you what to do. It's not an agenda you need to go in with other than we're looking for, I mean, it's pretty simple, right? If the client's got a big block of non-qualified dollars, the chance to put them in pre thirty three is 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 there. Um, you know, if their ten to fifteen to twenty percent allocation can come out of their non qualified dollars and still leave them plenty of liquidity, you know, it just has to be looked at in the big picture, right, Ryan? Well, ab- absolutely. I, I love non qualified because of the, the liquidity it has. You know, they have possession of it. That's that's all great, and that's exactly how we want. But we obviously know, Kerry, and maybe you can speak to this even more in the in the trenches that you, know, you have assets under management, millions of dollars assets under management. So you deal with, you know, you, you've got your blueprints of your qualifieds, your nons. Well, there's a lot of advisors out there that, you know, like like my office, for example, we're insurance only licensed. You know, we're not dealing with the AUM every day. Um, so a lot of that, a lot of the ideas of, well, insurance only, we forget about, yes, we can do gold and silver IRAs without any extra licensing, but that's just a different world, Carrie, that you you happen to be in all the time. That's true. Yeah. So I could imagine like for the insurance only guy, you know, if they are making a recommendation to sell securities and move that over it's in an IRA, they, they have a standard process in which they go through, right? In their languaging uh, in order to stay compliant. So but I just encourage you, advisors who are listening to this podcast today, always get a feel, and I'm sure most of you do, but if you're not, always get a feel for kind of where the client's money is. And they, they're going to appreciate that. You need to do that discovery before you can recommend anything anyways. Because if you just sit back and you're just pitching a product and you're letting the client decide 
where to pull the money from, they might shoot themselves in the foot. You know, it's our job to be able to guide them uh, through that. And so I found that a real simple way to do that, even if you're insurance only, uh, no big deal. A real simple way to do that is say, well, okay, so Miss Jones, it's early in the conversations, right? Well, give me a feel for how much do you have that's pre-tax IRAs and use some descriptors that'll make sense to them, you know, 401ks, IRAs. How much do you have in that category versus how much do you have that you've already paid tax on non-IRAs, non-401ks? I'll use that language because qualified, non-qualified, we throw that around internally, but I don't really use that with clients. So get that feel of that mix. How much is in this bucket? How much is in that bucket? Now, all of a sudden, now you've got some direction how to answer this question, you know, qualified or non-qualified. Absolutely, Kerry. You know, I... I, I'm in my conference room with my personal clients. And again, I'm not securities licensed myself, but the disclaimer I give is, you know, and this is probably another topic for another conversation, um, trying to determine how much that I'm going to recommend them to position in, in precious metals. But when I'm doing an initial discovery, uh, you know, some advisors, you know, cause I see it time and time again, well, I don't want to get too deep with them. It might make them uncomfortable, or I know this person from church or, you know, from the golf course, and I don't want to be talking to them. How much money do you have, John? Well, no, I I, I give the example of trying to determine qualified or non-qualified and which bucket we should be pulling from to get to that proper allocation. I say, well, John, just like you wouldn't want a plumber to do open heart surgery, you, you want to make sure we have the surgeon obviously doing that for you. And for me to, to kind of pull the money from the proper allocations, I need to kind of have a snapshot of where things are sitting at so I can have and determine the right avenue to go from. Yeah. And actually, it's kind of suspect if an advisor starts running their mouth and recommendations and they don't ask those questions. I don't care who they are. You know, if you feel that strongly, then don't do business with that person who's in your church or your neighbor. You know, like I've got a really good friend uh, in in um, in Missouri, and he and I have just always done a thing where um, I, if he wanted the what I have, I actually would find a great advisor to to refer him to. You know, I didn't want that. That so that's a really close friend. Now I will say the one thing that I did do for him directly was some gold and silver, uh, but you know. And but I laid out tons of expectations ahead of time and so forth and so on. So some of the folks listen to this call, Ryan, you know, they they have a fiduciary standard they have to uphold legally. Some don't do, you know, just based on licensure. But let's take it to a moral imperative and just a just the fact that you always want to do what's in the best interest of the client. And you just look them in the eye and say, listen, there's no way I can do that if I don't have an idea of what's going on with your fact pattern. So that's my response to that. If you, if you can't ask those personal questions and get down into know the fact pattern, then just don't, you know, that's a relationship. Maybe you should find somebody else to, to cater to that client. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Carrie, let, let's transition to, yeah. to your practice here because uh, you know, off off uh, off air here. You mentioned, you know, obviously, you know, the millions of dollars that you have with your AUM, and when you're looking at the blueprints for your clients, what did you say? What 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 percentage did you say were typically qualified assets versus non qualified assets for your? Yeah, clients? it's about seventy five twenty five for or seventy thirty at least. For and and that runs true with us advisors. We'll be talking, and everybody pretty much agrees, and that's because since nineteen eighty, people have been putting away money pre tax. You know, so. That's why this question today is so important to answer. 
because advisors have to know how to take care of and service those clients that some of them hardly have no uh, qualified, non-qualified money. They don't, all their money basically is pre-tax, but yeah, it's about 70, 30, 75, 25. No, oh, and and that's good to hear because I'm I'm sure advisors listening to this podcast right now probably you know probably see themselves in, in a pretty similar boat, uh, but but in all reality, that's why we have to be you know speaking with authority of okay, well if if your client only technically has twenty five percent of non qualified dollars, you don't want to be using their last you know few thousands of dollars into precious metals for non qualified. That's where we use. The, the qualified route that um, instead of an ETF, and we cover, we cover this why we don't use ETFs versus physical in the, in the training that you have at goldensilveradvisors.com, uh, but the physical metal can be stored in a trust custodian for IRA. So it, it, it still, ch- uh, still checks off the boxes of the physical metal that the non-qualified does but it stays in that tax deferred vehicle. I think there's just a lot of, um, you know, not, I wouldn't say misinformation, but just that there's not the understanding out there. That's why this topic's important. Absolutely. So just to kind of recap, Ryan, let's summarize this for everybody. Let's just give them a little decision tree to go down. So first and foremost, we take a look at, you know, qualified versus non-qual holdings, right? If we've got it, and so ideally, if there is enough to do their their allocation out of the non-qualified because of the attributes of pre-33 and the way we do that, then that's what we're going to do, right? You just said the magic word, you know, it's got to be an appropriate amount. So if they've got tons of non-qualified money and you look at their income streams and you look at everything and you think, okay, it'll be all right to slice this off because here's the thing, physical gold and silver is a fully liquid asset, but yet needs to be looked at as a long-term hold. Yep. Right. So you got a picture in your mind and run those years out in your mind. Like, okay, if I slice off this 80,000 or this hundred thousand dollars off of their non-qualified, is there anything in their picture that I can see that would cause them to want or need this anytime soon? So you have to think that through on their behalf. So number one, we like to do non-qualified pre 33. If we can, if we meet all those criteria, right? Number two, I wanted to introduce the thought process that it can be a hybrid right? Well, maybe they don't have quite enough non-qualified to do the full allocation, but they've got enough that you feel comfortable. Okay, well, let's slice this off as non-qualified, but I'll get the rest of their allocation that they need for their counterbalance off their qualified. So you can do some of both, right? That's the middle option. And then the last option obviously would be just to simply do a full qualified account. They're still going to have Beautiful, nice, at this point in time, anyways, Canadian maple leaves right out of the mitt. You said it yesterday. Touch on, say that again. Um, what you said about, you know, the premiums lower. Explain to the listener real quick about why we use Canadian maple leaves for qualified. Yeah, we, we did a webinar for advisors only yesterday, uh, a new training webinar for advisors. And one of the questions were, is, you know, I see in your website, Ryan, that you use Canadian maple leaves for, for these IRAs. Why is that? Well, the answer I gave them, and as I said, well, we have to think of the nows, but we also have to think of the down the road exit strategies. And first and foremost, the Canadian Maple Leafs gold and silver related are a four nine coin, meaning point four nine 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 nine, right? Yeah. Gold and silver. It's 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 one of the most purest forms of the coin market that's out there. It's it's purer than bars for that matter. Okay, and and so when we look at no canucksters, no canucks. Yes, good job. 
<laughs> but when, when you look at when you look at the premiums compared to you know the alternative product like an American Eagle gold or silver, the American Eagles have a higher premium, a more of a mint processing fee than the Canadians do. So we're able to we're able to capture the most dollars into as money or as much ounces of gold and silver as possible. And then when we want to liquidate down the road, whether that's RMDs or just other distributions or different transfers out, the spread is is limited. It's, it's, it's very minuscule and it's highly recognized so we can get in and get out of that very efficiently, Kerry. Yeah. So big time reasons for everything that National Gold Consultants does right down to, you know, the, the coins that we use for, for qualified. And it's a simple process that's covered in the training. Go back and listen to that video. This podcast is meant to supplement the, the training at goldandsilveradvisors.com. And so it's a very simple process. It's just like you move any other IRA and custodian to custodian transfer. They're held at Delaware Depository. Good stuff. Good stuff. So that should, I hope, really answer the question, should I do qualified or non-qualified? It's a planning thought process. It's an allocation process, making sure the client's going to be good to go. And you're not, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to favor non-qualified if you can, and you've got enough dollars to do that. You can do a mix of the two, or you just do the full uh, qualified allocation and move the client on down the road, at least having that protection, that wealth insurance in place. So parting thoughts on this, Ryan. Yeah, I'd say the most common thing that we're seeing, especially now, Gary, in the baby baby boomer retirement generation is is that option to be in that hybrid. There's not too often that we go, you know, the $2 million client has $200,000, maybe two fifty dollars and non-qualified to go right off the gate. Uh, but you even have case studies, Carrie, that you start with, you know, 50 or 100 and you continue to add to it as time and income allows. See, so this is an ongoing thing. Hybrids are great. Um, you know, I, I, of course, I love non-qualified because you, you, you have possession of it, but that that doesn't always work that way. Yeah, that's why we covered that in another podcast. So go back and listen to that and you'll understand why we have the hierarchy. So, all right. Well, sweet. I hope that helps you out today. And we'll see you in the next podcast. 